Hey, grab your study guide and uh, get ready. If you look at the top of your study guide, you'll see that there are three primary words that describe our study. That is bold, fearless, valuable. Bold, fearless, valuable. I want you to think for just a second. Now, we're talking now in terms of spiritual things. We're talking in terms of, of Christianity. And I want you to put a definition with those terms. Just in your mind, put a definition with the term bold and fearless, valuable. Now, hopefully you've come up with something. There's a thought there already that's... Uh, brought to the front of your mind and you've thought about it so you've got something in your head but then I want you to take it a little bit further because now I want you to take that thought and I want you to characterize somebody that it applies to okay think back through the Bible through time whatever find someone that fits the characterization of bold fearless valued can you think of somebody Maybe you're like me. You went to the Bible. In my thoughts, two people stood out. Peter was one, the Apostle Peter. Now, he was not bold and fearless to begin with. Uh, this guy had his issues, certainly. He was outspoken, but he wasn't necessarily bold and fearless in a proper way. There were times when he deserted. You remember at the crucifixion. Instead of claiming to know Christ, he denied that he even knew who he was. Certainly, he didn't fit the bill then, but later as he grew, grew and he matured, he had seen the living, risen Savior. And all of a sudden, there was a new boldness about him, a new fearlessness about him. One in which was so much visible that after being warned that he was not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore, he continued to do so fearlessly, boldly. He was beaten for it. They told him again, don't you do it. After being beaten for it, he left rejoicing that he was counted worthy to suffer for Christ and was back doing the same thing the next day. That's pretty bold. It's pretty fearless. I think the one that probably stands out most in my mind, in fact, he was the first one that came to my thoughts when I was thinking through this, was none other than the Apostle Paul. What an amazing person, right? I mean, this was the guy that, that it really didn't matter what was coming he knew that if he went into certain places, he would be beaten. He knew that he might be stoned. He might be imprisoned. He knew these things were possibilities. And yet, despite that, the Apostle Paul, knowing what God had called him to do, he went forward and did it anyway. And certainly, he was beaten. He was stoned. He was imprisoned. Eventually, he had his head cut off of him. But he knew what it was God wanted him to do, and he would not be deterred because of a little bit of fear in his life. Maybe you're thinking more in modern times. You, maybe you would think about uh, someone like Billy Graham. Even though many churches opposed him in his early days, Billy Graham knew what God had called him to do and he took a stand and he spoke the truth and literally tens of thousands of people came to know Jesus Christ because he did. It would have been easy to cave under that pressure. It would have been really easy for him to back away, to be real timid with his message because there were a lot of people standing in opposition. They didn't like the way he was doing it. He wasn't doing it their way. But that's not what Billy Graham was. Bold, fearless. 
Maybe you would think about our missionaries. Man, we're blessed to partner with incredible people around the world who put their own lives in jeopardy for the furtherment of the gospel to make Jesus Christ known. What a blessing it is to know people that are so bold and so fearless. Not that they don't have fears, but not to the extent that it would stop them from doing what God has called them to do. They go and present the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's incredible. Maybe you thought of a number of other people that could fit this category. But I would imagine there's one person that probably did not cross your mind. That's you. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't those of us that are bold and fearless. In fact, I know some of you are. But I would say that for the most part, because we know the fear that harbors inside our lives... We know how timid we are when it comes to presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ to people. We know all about ourselves that we probably wouldn't classify ourselves as bold and fearless. But did you know that's exactly what God wants us to be? Do you know that's exactly what God determines for us to be? And that is bold and fearless. So much so that Jesus spent a few verses just talking about that very thing. And that's what we're studying today. Matthew chapter 10 verses 27 through 31. We come to a unique passage of scripture where Jesus is getting ready to send his disciples out. And he's telling them, I'm going to send you out and I'm going to send you two by two. And here's what I want you to do. Number one, your first fill in on your study guide. He said, I want you to boldly share truth. Number one, I want you to boldly share truth. Verse 27, he tells us this. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what, I, what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. What you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. Jesus was preparing his disciples and he was telling them about eternal life. And he was telling them about the kingdom of God. And then he said, okay guys, I've been equipping you. I've been preparing you for this moment. Now I want you to go and boldly speak the truth that I've been telling you. I want you to share this truth with the people. It's interesting because the disciples, I imagine had a little bit of anxiety about this. They had been hanging out with Jesus. I mean, Jesus. I mean, you know, this is Jesus. Jesus does this stuff, but now he wants me to do this stuff. And Jesus not only said, I want you to do this, but I want you to boldly do it. I want you to stand with passion, and I want you to present the truth of the gospel. I want you to present the truth of the kingdom of God and the Messiah that is here. You have a responsibility. Now go and do it. Interestingly, the responsibility doesn't stop or didn't stop with the disciples. But in fact, the responsibility falls on our shoulders as well, that we have the same responsibility to boldly speak the truth. God has entrusted us with this same information through the Word of God. He has given to us the, the knowledge of Jesus Christ through His Word and through His Holy Spirit. And He says, now I've entrusted you and I want you to boldly proclaim the truth. Boldly proclaim the truth. 
problem is that most of us get really timid when it comes to that. Most of us shriek back just a little bit because we don't really want to engage people in that conversation. And there's a whole host of reasons. And yet the message is so vital. We're not talking about a message that won't matter a year from now. We're not given a responsibility to deliver a message that won't amount to anything five years from now or ten years from now. But we're talking about something that literally makes the difference in eternity. Eternity. Never ending. And so we really can't afford to be timid. We really can't afford to be afraid. Afraid of what? Afraid of what people might say, what people might think. We really can't afford to be afraid of these things because the message is so very vital. And so Jesus carries us to this next thought. Number two, you get ready to write. He just lays it out for them, guys. Do not fear. I want you to boldly proclaim the truth and I want you not to be afraid when you do it. Listen to what he says in verse 28. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. Wow. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body only. There's no control over what happens after that. There's a lot of thoughts that come to my mind when I think about this. I really, I really envision Jesus saying, you know what? You can, you can get these people that want to harm you. They want to kill you. They want to, to wipe you off the face of the earth. But really, when that happens, it's just a promotion for you if you're my child, if you're a child of God. Just a promotion. I mean, yes, they can harm you, they can hurt you, there can be pain involved, but ultimately, the, the very best they can do is send you to a, an eternal reward. It's the very best they can do. It presents to us a picture of what we've thought about as a church, what we've studied as a church, and that is that at the time of death, there is a separation separation of body and soul that upon the death of a believer the body is left in the ground to decay it's an old shell it's an old house that is now empty because the soul and spirit has been removed for the person who has rejected Jesus Christ the soul and spirit has been placed in a temporary holding place called hell a place that will eventually be emptied into the lake of fire where it will be eternal at that point a place where we begin the process of paying price of our own sin. So for the person who dies without knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the body dies, it decays, but the soul and spirit continues to live. It goes somewhere. We see this spelled out in Luke chapter 16, don't we? Luke chapter 16, a rich man dies, and the Bible says, and in hell he lift up his eyes being in torment. It's a real thing. 
But on the other side of this, for the person who knows Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the person who is part of the family of God, the body stays the same. It dies. It lays in the ground. This old shell, this old tent that used to be home for the soul and the spirit is there. It stays until the resurrection when it's raised to to an incorruptible form. But at that point, the Bible says the soul and spirit vacates to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. We also see this in Luke 16 when Lazarus is taken out. He's, he's, he dies, this old body decays, and yet the Bible says that the angels usher him into a place of rest called Abraham's bosom. And so we see the development here of our theology, our, our thought process of what happens. He shows us this in this passage. And he says, you've got to understand that if death comes to you because you have served me, that it's really not all that bad. Sometimes death gets a bad rap. A bad rap because we're the ones left to endure what this world has to offer. And it's not always very pretty. But for the person who has tasted death, that person who's died in Jesus Christ is now more alive than ever. So he says, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body. I think Jesus is sharing that information for a couple of very important reasons. Number one, he doesn't want it to be a surprise if it happens. Now, for most of us in the United States, we do not have to worry right now. I think very soon we will have to be concerned about this. But for most of us, we've never faced persecution. Most of us, we've never been beaten or imprisoned. or, or Most of us have probably not even had our heads cut off. <laughs> but Jesus was saying, do not be surprised if this happens. Don't be surprised as if I'm telling you something that uh, you never expected. Because Jesus himself said, in this life there will be tribulation, there will be problems, there will be difficulties. He also said, I want you to take up your cross, an instrument of death. I want you to take up this cross, an instrument of your own death, and I want you to follow me. In other words, I want you to prepare yourself in such a way that you will boldly proclaim fearlessly my message despite what may happen to you. I think there's another reason why he was telling them because he wanted it to be confirmation of their faith. He wanted it to be a confirmation. In other words, if you can go through this life as a Christian and you don't have problems, other people kind of hating you or despising you or making fun of you to some extent, you never have that, then probably you've not been real bold with your witness. If you never have anybody that hates you or despises you or just is sickened by you, talks badly about you, you you've probably have an issue with your fellowship with God, there's probably an issue. Either it was never really established or you're not very out front with your faith. Because in this life, we can expect these things to happen. And as a result, Jesus was saying, I want you to understand that when you see these things happening, it can confirm your faith. It can confirm your faith. And I'm not talking about the person that goes out and deliberately tries to make people mad and angry. There are a lot of so-called so Christians that do it that way, don't they? 
Their attempt is to make you mad. If I haven't made somebody mad today, I've heard preachers say, if I don't make somebody mad today, then I haven't done my job. The Bible says, as much as within you, live peaceably with all men. It doesn't say as much as within you, make everybody mad you possibly can. How ridiculous is that? So Jesus wanted us to be aware of what could come. Actually, it's, it's a pretty terrible verse to think about. Because he tells us, he says, don't fear these people. Don't fear what could happen to you. Don't fear the rejection. Don't fear the loss of your goods or, or the loss of your bank account. Don't fear the loss of respect or, or the ridicule and mocking that you will take. Don't fear these things. But instead, I want you to fear one that is far greater. The one who can kill both body and soul in hell. Eternal death. Eternal separation. He's not saying, you're, you're a child of God, therefore you've got to be ready because if you don't boldly declare me, then that means you're going to lose your salvation. That's not what he's saying here. But he might be pointing to the concept that if you do not boldly share your faith, you might really need to check up on whether or not that relationship has ever truly been established. If not that, he for certain is telling us, you've got a message to proclaim. You've got something that is so vital and so important. You need to go and share that. And you better take note because these people you're supposed to share this information with are people that one day will stand before the judge of all mankind. And those who have rejected him will hear the great judge say, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. You will be cast into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You will be placed into the wrath and judgment of Almighty God for all of eternity. So then we have an incredible responsibility. We have an incredible information to give to other people and we have to boldly and fearlessly proclaim that message but I want you to know something I do not think it's possible to do it without understanding the third point this third point is so vital number three we have to understand that you are valued. You are valued. You have to understand that you are valued. Notice, if you will, these last verses. Verses 29 through 31. He says, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? Not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are more of, of more value than many sparrows. Now, I want you to take note of that last phrase for just a second. You are of more value than many sparrows. How does that strike you? Sweetie, I am so glad I married you. You are one of my most valued treasures. Oh, 
Thank you, dear. That's so sweet. No, I mean it. You're my most valued treasure. Really? More valuable than your treasures? Wow. You're more valuable than my 128 gig iPhone 6S Plus. Oh, honey. Whoa. Okay. You are more valuable than my 4K LCD LED HD TV. I know how much you love that TV. Okay, I don't think you're getting it. You are more valuable than my 1972 Chevy Chevelle with 383 stroker motor supercharged that can make 600 horsepower. Really? Really? What else? What else? Okay. You are more valuable than these birds. Birds? Is this a joke? What? Huh? It's, it's in the Bible. I should have known better. My mother was right about you. Oh, uh, what? Well, you guys didn't help at all. We're going right back to the pet store. Now, I've got to admit, the reason I asked Jennifer to come up with that skit was because used to, when I would read through this passage of Scripture, that's kind of the way I felt. Okay, I thought, you know, I'm so valuable to God. And then I would read this, and he would say, don't worry about this stuff. You're more valuable than a, than a lot of sparrows. And I thought, wow, what a letdown. What a letdown. My value is only a little more than a few sparrows. As I began studying this passage, I began to understand that I was seeing it all wrongly. I mean, totally wrong. I, I had the wrong idea altogether because what was not in question was my value to God. I mean, God has proven my value to Him, right? He proved my value. He proved your value when He gave His only begotten Son to be a sacrifice for our sin. When Jesus died in our place, God proved our value by sending His Son. That's not in question. I think what is in question here is how much He values the rest of creation. That yes, we are highly valued by Almighty God, but the rest of His creation is also. But among all of His creation, He values us even more. He values the sparrows so much that one doesn't fall to the earth without it being His will. It's time, it's time. He said, I value you even more. Now what may seem insignificant is incredibly significant. Because of the fact that where we place our value determines how we behave and how we think about ourselves. Now please hear me out in this. Because if I place my value in the way I look, 
then as I get older, my value begins to drop. If I place my value in what other people think of me on the days when I'm not on, when I'm having a bad day and people kind of stay, stay away from me, my value drops. If I place my value in my bank account, in my stocks, in my bonds, when the market tanks and all of a sudden there goes my value, it's out the window. If I place my value in, in my position, in my power, in my prestige, and all of a sudden I lose my job, then my value tanks. But if I place my value in what God alone thinks of me, then all of a sudden these other things begin to dim to where they're not quite as important. Yeah, I think they'll always be there. I think they'll always be troubling. I think they'll always bring some fear into our lives because we're human. But the more I grow to fear Almighty God, the more I grow to understand how much He values and loves me, and the more I place my value in that, the less concerned I am about what other people think. The less concerned I am about what my bank account looks like. The less concerned I am about what I look like. Because my value is based upon something that never fluctuates and never changes. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The one who loves me so completely that I can do nothing to make him love me more and I can do nothing to make him love me less. If I place my value in God, I find my value in him, I find my reason to exist in him, then all of a sudden the things that used to prevent me from boldly and fearlessly sharing the gospel of Christ all of a sudden aren't quite as important by comparison. So when my value is placed in the proper place, then I am able to literally, fearlessly, and boldly proclaim Jesus Christ just as He expects me to do so. So then what do we take home with us from this? Two things your last two fill-ins on your sheet. Number one is that God wants us to base our value on Him. God wants us to find our value in Him. Not in our possessions. Not in our prestige. Not in our cars, our houses, our friends. But God wants us to base our value on Him. What does he think of us? Number two, once we've established that, and once we've deepened ourselves in the Word of God to understand more about how he values us, then he expects us to boldly and fearlessly share the truth. He expects us to boldly and fearlessly share the truth of Jesus Christ. There's a world of people 
who desperately need to hear. There's a community of people who desperately need to hear. For some of us, there's a family of people who desperately need to hear. And yet we've been so timid and we've been so shy because we were afraid that someone else might think badly of us or might make fun of us or might put us on the spot or it might effectively cost us a position or financially some way. God says, I want you to change where you find your value. And I want you to find your value in me so that you can be what I expect you to be. Bold and fearless in your witness. So where is your value based? If the stock market dives, do you lose value? If your friends desert you, do you lose value? Proper place for us to find value is in Almighty God. What could be better than that? Knowing that Almighty God, the creator of all things, values us, treasures us.